All-American Boys, Tuesday, Rashad. As the story of 16-year-old West Springfield native Rashad Butler develops, the city seems to be split in terms of which side of the argument they fall on in this case. Was it about race? The abuse of power? Or was it just another case of a teenage criminal caught red-handed? For those of you who are just joining us, we've been covering this story for a few days. Last Friday, Butler was accused of shoplifting, public nuisance, and resisting arrest. The officer involved, Paul Galuzzo, is shown here forcibly removing Butler from Jerry's corner mart. Butler seems to be cooperating with the officer, but as you can see, he is taken to the ground. Warning, the rest of the scene is a bit graphic. We were able to catch up with Claudia James, the person who actually shot this footage from her phone. It was just like y'all saw it. That boy was being manhandled, and he kept saying that he didn't do nothing. He kept trying to explain, but the officer was just yelling, shut up, shut up, and then slammed him. Then once he had him on the ground, he started, like, punching and kneeing him in the back. He shoved his forearm on the back of the boy's neck. It was crazy. But had he been handcuffed? Once he was on the ground, he was. I mean, how could he have been resisting? But not everyone shares Miss James's view. Some people feel that whatever it takes to clean up the community, so be it like Roger Stuckey. We don't know what happened in that store, so I'm not going to sit here and just say this kid is innocent. He might not be. I'm a cab driver and I work nights, and the truth is, if that kid was trying to hail me down and it was dark outside, I would keep on going. And why is that? Because of the way he looks? I mean, listen, I've been robbed before, right around here, and I just... I don't ever want to be robbed again. And he looks like the guy who robbed me. He was dressed just like him. These kids are crazy these days, and whatever it's going to take to make the people who live around here feel safe, I'm all for it. When I woke up, I followed the same routine as the day before. Well, not exactly the same. First, I plugged the TV back in. Then I tried to turn it on, but the remote was still on the fritz. Sometimes when the batteries are getting weak and smacking it against your palm doesn't work, you have to slide the back off and run your thumb over the batteries to turn them, and that makes them work. Sometimes this time. The TV came on and I watched for a minute. Everyone had opinions. The lady who caught the incident on tape seemed to side with me and thought the cop was wrong, but not everybody felt that way. There was a cabbie who straight up said he wouldn't pick me up if he saw me at night. That really pissed me off. I mean, I had heard Spoonie talk about that for years. I never took cabs. The bus was cheaper. But he was always going on and on about how he could never catch a cab because of the way he looked, but I didn't look nothing like Spoonie. Nothing. I mean... I wear jeans and t-shirts, and he wears jeans and t-shirts, so we look alike in that way, but who doesn't wear jeans and t-shirts? Every kid in my school does, and sneakers, and sweatshirts, and jackets. So what exactly does a kid who looks like me look like? Seriously, what the hell? You would think I would cut the TV off, but I didn't. Maybe because there was something about having this moment in my life literally hovering over my head that served as some kind of weird inspiration for the picture I was making. So as usual, I muted it, then dove into my art. Oatmeal for breakfast, chicken burrito for lunch, ginger ale, art in between it all. Clarissa had been in and out of the room, checking my vitals, checking to make sure I was eating and using my spirometer, checking to see how the piece was coming along. It's going to be so good when it's done, she said, jotting down my blood pressure. She looked exhausted. You work every day? I asked, shrugging off her compliment. It's not that I was trying to be rude, I just didn't really know if good was how this piece was actually going to end up. I have been. I usually work every other day, 12-hour shifts, but I took on some extra work this week, covering for a friend. It wasn't hard to tell that that's just how Clarissa was. A for real, for real nice person. So when she brought the lunch in, I told her how thankful I was that she had been looking after me, and how happy I was that she had taken those extra shifts. 
My mother always raised me to be thankful. She always said, nobody owes you anything, so when you get something, be appreciative. And I was. I mean, I know it's your job, but you're really good at it, so thanks. Clarissa flashed a smile that slipped into an unexpected yawn. It's my pleasure. Just trying to add a little sunshine, she said, lifting a hand to her mouth. She was so sweet, but man, was she corny. I hear you. Well, you're doing that. Every time you come in here, you brighten the whole room up. Maybe it's the hair. The red hair up against her pale skin like fire burning at the end of a match. Ah, yes, ginger magic, she joked. You know, I'm the last of a dying breed. What do you mean? I mean gingers, redheads. We're going extinct. Seriously? Like, something's killing y'all? Not exactly. It's like not enough redheads are having babies with other redheads, so we're just not being born anymore. Clarissa laughed, then glanced up at the muted TV. Her eyes narrowed. Check it out. I looked up reluctantly, and there on the screen was the police chief, so I unmuted. We listened. He didn't really say much, except that they were investigating everything, and that he had the utmost faith in Officer Galuzzo's judgment, and that the officer was a veteran with an immaculate record. Yeah, I bet, Clarissa said. Then noticing me taking it all in, she added, Hey, don't let the bastards get you down. Yeah. You know that song? What song? Don't let the bastards... Uh, She stopped and grinned. Never mind. When Ma showed up, the TV was still unmuted, and the story was still developing, and I was still drawing. Knock, knock, Ma said, tapping the doorframe. Clarissa had asked me if I wanted the door open or closed, and I told her open. It just seemed like a good idea to let some air in, or maybe let some of the suffocating feeling out of the room. Hey, I said, now a bed remote expert, adjusting it so that I was sitting more upright. How you feeling? Ma asked, coming in. She was alone. I'm fine, just doing some drawing, I told her. Where's Dad? She kissed me on the forehead, then sat on the side of the bed. He couldn't make it. Something upset his stomach, and he was throwing up all night. Is he okay? Yeah, yeah, he's fine, she said. She dug in her purse, pulled out an envelope, and set it on the side table. This card came to the house from you. Who's it from? It's from Chief Killebrew. I nodded, but didn't say anything. I figured it was a get-well-soon card or something like that. Couldn't even read it because my mother was way more concerned with more pressing issues. Have you eaten? Yes, Ma, I ate. Breakfast and lunch, I said with a groan. I knew this was only the beginning of the mother questions. It's like all moms have a checklist that they read through to make sure their kids are okay. One, have you eaten? The most important one. Two, are you hungry? Not to be confused with number one. And asked, even if you say you've eaten... Number three, have you pooped? Just to make sure you're eating the right stuff. Number four, have you bathed? And if you're my mom? Number five, what are you drawing? I handed her the notebook. She looked at it and instantly started to get emotional, her eyes tearing up. She was blinking them back when a clip of Claudia James, the lady who taped the whole thing, came back on the screen. My mother watched, still holding the sketch pad. You know, some people think the cop was justified. They say he was just doing his job, I said darting my eyes from the TV to my mother. She looked at me. Her face looked like it was made of clay, like it could crack at any second. His job? She said, the tears finally dropping. You are not a criminal, Rashad. I know that. I know every word you said was true. You didn't deserve this. You're not a criminal, she repeated. I could feel the heat rising in the room, in her. I didn't know how she had been dealing with this at home, or if she and Dad had been getting into it or what. But in that moment, the water in the kettle had finally started to boil in front of me. My mother was steaming. You're not some animal they can just hunt. 
You're not some punching bag, something for them to beat on whenever they feel like it, she said, slapping my sketchbook down. She continued to lose her battle with the tears. This is not okay, she said. It was the first time I had ever heard her say it. Usually it was spoony. It's not. It's not okay. The TV cut to the police chief. He said Galuzzo would be placed on paid leave until they got to the bottom of this. My mother clenched her jaws. The chief spoke. Then they flashed Galuzzo's face on the screen. Ma's breath caught when she saw his mug on the screen. That asshole, she growled. Here's the thing. My mother almost never curses. I think I may have heard her say damn maybe once, but that's really it. She's just not that type. So to hear her say asshole, let me know how angry she really was that this thing was breaking her down inside too. I'm sorry, she said immediately, trying to get back to mom mode. She reached over and grabbed a napkin off my food tray to pat her face dry. I'm sorry, she said again, forcing a crooked smile, which she was only able to keep for about five seconds. Yikes, before crumbling into pieces. She was sobbing and panting, short and choppy, dabbing at her pouring eyes and nose with the napkin. It was like everything she had been holding in was now finally coming out. I leaned forward and inched myself closer to her. Each small movement felt like a knife blade pushing into my side, but I didn't care. I had to get to her. Then my arms were around her, and now I was crying, my body burning on the inside while I told her over and over again, it's okay, it's okay, I'm gonna be fine. And as she pulled away to blow her nose once more, working as hard as she could to paint that half-full smile back on her face, I reached for the remote and, please work, please work, please work, changed the channel. Spoonie showed up about an hour later with Barry. My mother and I had calmed down and were watching Family Feud, laughing at some of the stupid answers people were coming up with. Name something you might find under your bed. A monster. Nah, they don't hide under there no more. Or in closets, Spoonie said, making an entrance as usual. They hide in plain sight with uniforms and badges. Spoonie. Always an agenda. Hi, Mrs. Butler, Barry said, coming over to my mom with her arms out for a hug. Hi, sweetheart. Ain't you supposed to be in school? Ma kissed Barry on the cheek. Barry was in law school. Yep, law school. My dad always got on Spoonie, asking him why he wasn't inspired to make something of himself since he dated such a smart girl. Then he'd say, well, at least you got enough sense to get a smart girl. I guess I gotta give you credit for that. I'll put in some extra work at the library this weekend. This is far more important. Barry said. Spoonie gave me five, then he and Barry switched places so he could hug Ma and Barry could hug me. "'What's up, big man?' she said, touching her cheek to mine. Barry was the female version of English. Absolutely gorgeous, and so cool, and smart, everything wrapped up in one girl. And she was everybody's first crush. Me, Shannon, and Carlos. We all loved Barry, and English knew it. We used to tease him so bad about it, and he hated it. But put up with it, because that's just what we do. Jokes. But once Spoonie started dating her, we cut all the jokes out because even though Spoonie wasn't anywhere near perfect, he was definitely a dude who got respect. I don't know why, he just did. It's not like anyone had ever seen him do anything crazy, but he had this presence about him. A confidence that made it seem like he wasn't scared of anything or anybody. So the berry jokes were over and she instantly fell into big sister zone. How you holding up? She asked now. Oh, you know me, living a luxurious life, I said. Looks like it, Barry replied. But even though she was smiling, I could see the sadness in her eyes. I could see the sadness in everybody's eyes. My mother's, Spoonie's, my friend's, Clarissa's, even the lady on TV who filmed everything, Claudia's. Shad, I want you to see something, Spoonie said, easing Barry's backpack off her shoulder. He unzipped it, pulled out her laptop. They got Wi-Fi in here? 
I don't think so, I said, wanting to laugh at him. I don't know why, but I just thought that was so funny. He put the laptop back in the bag. Here, just use my phone, Barry said, digging in her back pocket. She tapped the screen a few times, then handed it to Spoonie, who handed it to me. Look at this. On the screen was a picture of my school, and on the sidewalk was some writing. I enlarged the image and did a double take. Rashad is absent again today, is what it said, spray-painted in bright blue loopy letters. What is this? I asked, staring. There's major buzz about this thing, man. Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. People are pissed off. Kids your age, they're speaking up, man. I stared at the picture. The letters, the tiny loop at the stop of the cursive S. So familiar. There was only one person I knew who did that. Carlos. English texted me earlier saying that some of the kids at your school have been talking about a protest. He sent me that picture, Barry said. But that's not the only one. She reached for the phone and began swiping through photos, showing me picture after picture of Rashad is absent again today, tagged all over the city. I knew the first one was from Carlos, but not all the rest of them, because I didn't recognize the lettering, plus they were too loose. Amateur. I had no idea who those were from. There's even a hashtag, she said. Hashtag Rashad is absent again today. I couldn't believe it. I had become a hashtag. I had become searchable, a trending topic, another number on someone's chart, but to me... I was still just me. A protest? I thumbed the screen going from picture to picture. It just seemed weird that there was so much fuss over me. Yeah, man, Spoonie confirmed. A protest? My mother repeated, her eyebrows knitting together. I don't know about this. I don't want nobody else getting hurt. A fierce look came over Spoonie's face. Ma, we have a right to protest. We have a right to be upset. I know that, Spoonie. You don't think I know that? Ma's voice rose. Spoonie had no idea that our mom had just called the cop an asshole. He'd missed that. You don't think I'm angry? She glared at him, burned straight through his hoodie. I know you are. Sorry, he said, humbled. I'm just so tired of this. I am too, Ma said, coming back down. And I know protests can be good. Just like I know that not all cops are bad, I married one. I'm not sure Dad's the best example of a good cop, Spoonie said, quicker than quick, the words sharp enough to cut. Ma gave him a look, not upset, but sad, like she was sad that her son seemed so angry, so distrusting. And she didn't even say anything to refute his statement, didn't even argue with him, which to me was strange. Why not? I asked. Spoonie looked from me to Ma before brushing the whole thing off with nothing, doesn't matter. Listen... I just don't want them to find a reason to beat more people, to kill people. Mom refocused the conversation, her eyes back on me. And since apparently they don't trust us, I don't trust them. But Ma, all we want is to feel like we can be who we are without being accused of being something else. That's all, Spoonie tried again. But do protests even work? I asked. I mean, I was all for the idea, I really was. But the only time I had ever heard about any protests actually working was Dr. King's. That's it. He never heard of no other ones making a difference. Do they work? Spoonie looked at me crazy, a how I could even ask such a question look. Barry stepped in. They're a piece to the puzzle. I mean, there are a lot of pieces, like reforming laws and things like that, but protests are what sends the message to the folks in power that something needs to change. That people are fed up, she explained. We have a right to voice how we feel, and isn't that better than just doing nothing? Spoonie and Barry tag-teamed me with more political activism mumbo-jumbo than I could stand until at last, thank God, English, Shannon, and Carlos showed up. 
They all hugged my mom and Barry and dabbed up Spoonie. Yo, you heard about the protest? Carlos shot off instantly, picking up right where my brother and Barry had left off. Hashtag Rashad is absent again today? I looked at him. He looked at me. Friendship ESP. So this thing's really going to happen, I asked. Dude, even Tiffany was talking about it in Mr. Fisher's class, English said. Mr. Fisher was a history teacher at the school. Kind of a weird guy, but still super cool. White hair, jacked up bowl cut, weird cloth ties, shirt tucked in tight jeans. But he knew all about history and would celebrate Black History Month in February and March. The only other teacher who was down for stuff like that was Mrs. Tracy, the English teacher. Shannon and Carlos used to always joke about how Mr. Fisher and Mrs. Tracy were probably dating, probably having gross sex after school on Mrs. Tracy's desk on top of Shakespeare sonnets or something. For real? I asked. Yeah, man. Fish is really supporting it. Like, he's helping us plan it and everything. English was gassed. He kept saying how we were a part of history. How this is a part of history. Word? Is he giving out extra credit for it? I joked, just to try to lighten the mood. Shad, we serious, man, Carlos said. Like, for real. Told you, Shad, Spoonie said. This thing is bubbling. People are sick of it. He looked at Ma, who seemed caught somewhere between mad and worried. Ma, seriously, what if he was killed? But he wasn't, she said, straight. The same way my dad had said a few days before when Spoonie said the same thing. But what about all the others, Spoonie said. Matter of fact, how many of y'all been messed with by the cops? Man, what? I've been pulled over so many times, Carlos said. Because you speed, I jumped in. Yeah, true. But at least three times, they've made me get out of the car while they tore it apart looking for drugs or guns or whatever they thought I had. Then when they didn't find nothing, they let me go with a speeding ticket but left my car a mess. Glove compartment emptied out, trunk all dug through. Just trashed my ride for no reason. Man, I've been stopped on the street, English said. You have? Barry sparked up. Yeah, more than once, too. Cops wanted me to lift my shirt so they could see if I had weapons on me, pat-downs and all that. Why didn't you tell me? Barry asked. Because I already know what time it is. I'd seen it before, so it was nothing. Plus, I didn't want you freaking out. At least yours were only pat-downs. One time they had me face down on the sidewalk on Overlook Street. Said they got word that there was a robbery and said the description of the person was five foot nine, dark skin with a black t-shirt and black sneakers on, Shannon explained. That could have been anybody. That could have been any kid I work with at the rec center. Matter of fact, that could have been me, Spoonie chimed in. Exactly, Barry agreed. And I wished the story stopped there. I really did, but they didn't. They went on and on, story after story, about not trusting police officers because they always seem to act like bullies. And even though there were times when they'd been helpful, the bad times were bad times. And it just seemed like they didn't, I don't know, like they see us, but they don't really see us. Okay, I said. Okay, what? Spoonie asked. Okay, I'm down with the protest. I have to admit, I said I was down, but I wasn't really sure I meant it. I was scared. And it's not like they needed me to sign on. This wasn't really about me. This was bigger than me. I knew that now. But I wanted my brother and my friends to know, since the spotlight was on me, that I was in. That I would stand with them. That is, if I could get out of the hospital. Name a word that rhymes with grain. Pain. Good answer, good answer. 